Hello? Is this thing on? Yeah, it's on. Good morning. Uh, oh, good morning, if you're waiting for the reply. Yeah. Oh, I, w- I was just trying to be polite there, Neil. Hey, okay. it's Ed Marlowe, sports editor of the Paducah Sun and host of the For Those Who Inquired podcast. Of course, this isn't affiliated with the Paducah Sun, but hey, sports is everywhere, and so are we. Neil, how's it going, man? It's going well. Uh, I'm working twice as hard now because here at my station, WNBS AM, we now have WNBS FM on 97.9. Twice the work. How are you on two radio stations at the same time? It's it's the miracle of technology. It's unbelievable. So it's called a translator. It's it's not a separate station, but it, it'll sound better. I would assume no one – let's just be honest about it. Uh, I was talking with some younger kids about that I worked in radio, and they said – you're on an AM station. I was I'm on a, it's an AM station, so it's only on in the morning. Like, so that's kind of where we are. I love that association, <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah. I mean, really, if you think about it, all we do is grow up listening to AM radio, and but so not them. well, I, I don't I, even know I, what it is. I grew up listening to AM radio, and so you think about it only being on in the morning because. When you get up in the morning and you're headed to church, you fire up an AM radio station, yeah. typically speaking. So you don't think about, well, is this on all night? Well, as you get older, you realize that a lot of talk radio and sports radio is on AM, and it runs all night. It's a trucker's line, typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like an AM radio, uh, I, that transmission just typically, oh my God, you don't, what do you need? What do you need, a generator and a flashlight, and you've got enough energy to run a... AM station? Probably. Those stations that you, the trucker stations and the uh, the 50,000 watt uh, baseball stations like KMOX, uh, WLW in New Orleans, not Cincinnati, it's WLW. Then they have the one in New Orleans. Those are big 50,000 waters and uh, those take out a lot of energy. Yeah, and I get that those, those are bigger market yeah. AM stations, yeah. but typically, like your AM stations around here play gospel. You might catch a baseball game yeah. on them. You might pick up an ESPN transmission, hmm. but typically speaking, they're not. Yeah. You know, you, you're used to just listening to gospel in the morning, so you don't think, well, well you're not going to listen to gospel afternoon, are you? <laughs> like, well, ours is still at CBS Sports Radio, so that's what there won't be any change, at least temporarily, for that. They may change it later. I'm, I'm not in the loop on all that stuff. I just they give me a job and I do it. So, uh, but right now we have that. We'll have the Cardinals. And it'll sound a lot better on, just admittedly, FM than AM. A 97.9 sports radio station in western Kentucky, and, and namely Murray, yeah. uh, will be really cool. That adds to Paducah having 99.5 the fan. So that's really cool. You can just go from Murray to Paducah and have two FM sports stations. That's right. That's huge. Speaking of FM sports stations, I don't even know. So I don't even know if it's <laughs> FM. But, I mean, technically it is. Uh, Murray State men's basketball and women's basketball. Uh some interesting hoops being played at the moment. Uh, we can dive into the men. We have not been able to talk about the last two games. Yeah. It's been, you know, it's been a hot minute. Uh, you and I talked early last week. Since then, they have played, uh, the Racers have played SIU and Transylvania. Yeah. Uh, the SIU game didn't play particularly well, uh, turned it over a lot. They allowed SIU to turn that into points. Uh, even though they turned SIU over just as much, uh, they weren't as successful. But uh, also defensively, the Racers struggled somewhat in the first half. They allowed SIU to uh, get the three-point shots that they knew they were going to take and also uh, score inside. Much better job defensively in the second half. But uh, I think the story of that game, besides the turnovers, was the job that SIU did on Tevin Brown. Uh, Tevin was face-guarded. He was uh, really frustrated. 
didn't shoot well, didn't uh, didn't produce offensively much at all. And that's something, if he is going to play at the next level, he has to figure out a way that that isn't going to happen, uh, especially when you're playing SIU or someone like that. If you're going to do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. I'm still going to get 12, 14 points no matter what you do. And uh, as of right now, he hasn't gotten that figured out. And he is still struggling for the most part with his shot, even in the the, uh, the next game with Transylvania. He didn't shoot it particularly well, shot it better, but still uh, struggling a bit from three-point range and isn't getting to the free-throw line really enough to bring his average up, even though he did shoot him better in that game. Yeah, he, five of ten against Transylvania. I, I'm really – it's hard for me to be critical of Tevin's game, and I know you're not either. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. not what I mean. I, you know, because he still had seven rebounds against SIU. So sure he, did. He remains the team's best defender. So that was another problem against SIU is foul trouble. Yeah. Especially for he and KJ both. One of the big things that – one of the more – quieter things about that game is that he and KJ missed a combined I believe 10 to 11 minutes of that second half mm-hmm. where foul trouble you know McMahon knew he was going to need them for a late push and had to bring him in with about three and a half to four minutes to go KJ comes in makes a nice turnaround they they went up three on that big three and then they gave up a 5-0 run immediately for SIU to get the lead back and then shots just did not fall the turnaround hook yeah from about five feet out from KJ was a shot that McMahon mentioned. He wants his, you know, he wants his team taking that shot every time it's there. If it's a five to six foot turnaround hook from KJ, that's an eighty percent make typically. And, and Juice Hill in that game, tremendous, getting to the hoop or near the hoop for layups, six eight footers, and missed doggone near every one of them. Yeah. I, I was impressed that he got it. Really encouraged that he's getting that that shot. Because I think those will fall, but they just didn't fall that night. Well, he had seven assists. The one thing that you know I think people need to realize is while while Justice is definitely, I mean, his assist to turnover ratio is is really really good right it now. Is. It's two to one. He's not making a ton of big time mistakes. I think one of the ways that I've described the shot, some of the shots that he's going after. In my opinion, they just kind of look like JUCO shots. Like they're going to go down against a, a bad team. They're going to go down against a, a lower prepared team. But in Division One, some of those floaters, some of those two point shots that he's taken, they're just not necessarily as high percentage, mm-hmm. and they're not falling. When they start falling, I mean, it's, it's, it'll be detrimental. I mean, yeah. he, but you have to think about it, Neil. His three point percentage right now is better than his two point percentage. Thirty six versus thirty three. Yeah. That's that's unbelievable, and I mean, and that's that'll change. I mean, I have to. I, people need to be reminded, though, and you and I know this, but I think sometimes fans don't necessarily think about this. This is like his fifth Division One game, yeah, with a Division One team. I mean, it's been he didn't play for Arkansas, and he got to Salt Lake City. They played thirty-one games. They went what, or twenty-seven and four, twenty-nine and four, something like that. Got in the NJCAA, you know, championship series. Yeah. Didn't get to play their championship. Then he didn't play basketball after that for a whole summer, you know. So for me, this is really his first taste of Division One basketball and learning the ropes of what it means to be a consistent scoring threat for the Racers. So, so. what you're telling me is if you're shooting better from three-point range than two-point range, that's bad. It's not ideal. All right. So I need to let's call Chico Carter and say, Chico, you're shooting 63% from three-range. And a mere sixty percent from the field. Wow! So that's fair too. You need to clean up your game, buddy. No. <laughs> that shows. My granddad said, "Liars figure and figures lie," and that's yeah. a lying figure right there. 
I mean, he's not going to shoot 63% on the season from three. We know that, but my gosh, he's stroking him right now. 60% from the field for a guard is he's absolutely hot. amazing. He is dealing a hot hand, and he's playing well. He has great stats across the board, too. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I think after the Middle Tennessee game where he's had seven turnovers, I think you've really seen a switch flip for him. I, everybody had a turnover in the Middle Tennessee game. That was part of it. That's that's The team is still trying to figure out the rhythm of that type of offense. Just, you know, where are we going with the basketball and at what time? And, and it's led to some careless mistakes, uh, quite frankly. I would say of the 18 turnovers, and by the way, there was a 36-turnover game combined between the yeah, two teams. Yeah, it was. It was not, not that pretty. A lot of these turnovers, they're not even necessarily thefts. They're illegal screens. They're travels. You're right. We have seen a lot of traveling, and McMahon even brought this up after the Transylvania game. We are seeing the racers travel a ton in transition, where they're getting a transition look at a three, and it's, they're, they're forgetting to put the ball on the deck. They're just they're like, well, I'm open. I'm going to shoot. Oh, I should have put the ball on the deck. Yeah. Just a one dribble, take a step, shoot, and you're going to get a clean and open look. The racers probably have almost double the amount of turnovers in that respect, either an illegal screen, loose ball out of the sideline or the baseline, um, than they do having their pockets picked by a good defense. <clears throat> and uh, and they've had a few of those. Don't be wrong. Every team does, but. You know, those are the types of turnovers is killing the racer ef- efficiency on offense. Right. And uh, that was a big problem against SIU. Transylvania, we can move ahead to that. That, that second half, I thought, yeah. was back to Austin P. Mm-hmm. how effective they were there. That, I mean, they started that second half on a 17-1 run. And I know it's Transylvania, don't get me wrong. Well, they didn't and do not, it in the first half, though. No, Transylvania oh. shot really well in the first half. They did. Um, that was only a nine-point game. And I think... I'd, I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall. Uh, I don't think you would have. Well, the Racers had nine turnovers in the first yeah, half against I don't think you'd Transylvania. Yeah, that, that's one of those where you're glad you're not in the dressing room. Well, it was the, under, it, the, was way, the it was the undressing room. Yeah. Based on the way they responded, it wasn't. Now, we need to do a little better. It wasn't anything like that. No, probably not. Now, Matt's not the uh, Mr. F-bomb. So yeah, it, he's, it's not, he's, like, but it is a... Uh, he's not Hellfire and he, Brimstone. He is... Very forceful in his messaging, and I'm, I'm I'm saying that they did get it, and the way they responded was tremendous. Well, that second half, excuse me, was a uh, completely different story. Yeah, I mean, just entirely. I mean, they they outscored them what fifty to twenty. Yeah, uh, it was just it was dominant. Great basketball. The highlight turned out, at least for me, to be the civils war that we got to see between the two civils going at it. Yeah, I, that was a blast. Doesn't happen very often that you have brothers going against one another. Uh, on the same court, you just it just doesn't really happen very often. That was a really a neat thing. Two two kids, you can tell they really think a lot of each other. Uh, you know, the, the brotherly love they get on the court though, they w- want to take each other down just like you might expect. Jackson scoring it? on Will in transition was kind of was kind of funny. Both of them shot the ball fairly well. They did. I mean, Jackson was I believe three or four, eight points, yeah. couple threes. Uh, Will was the same way. Will Will started. Played 22 minutes. He has been their sixth man so far this year, at least according to minutes. Uh, up up until that game, he had played all three games and averaged about 13 minutes a game. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. He's one of the he's one of the seniors on the team. He's he's been a part of their program for three or four years now, and 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 um, it, it was a it, we we thought we were going to get that matchup to start the season. 
Then Transylvania had some COVID protocol issues. It just didn't look like it was going to match up. Well, then the racers did unfortunately lose Prairie View A&M, which I was kind of looking forward to because I know Prairie View has one of the longest home streaks in the country. Yeah. And on, they're not as good on the road, but they're still they're, they're an annual favorite to win the SWAC. So that's a, typically a good basketball team for the racers to bring in. Mm-hmm. despite it being from a lower conference. And th- I was looking forward to that game. But then, you know, things happen. You know, Prairie View had been in the Louisville bubble, the MTE, and, of course, had to, you know, uh, they had to quarantine after that. And so, you know, you call in Transy, and you're like, okay, well, it, now it's going to happen. And uh, I thought it delivered. Uh, I thought it was really cool that both of them got to play against each other for about six minutes there in the second half. The bad part was... Because of COVID, well, we wouldn't have had the game otherwise, more than likely. Right. But because of COVID, fans in the area were denied a treat. You would have had a ton of McCracken County fans. Oh, yeah. Who, oh, man, I want to see this, have a chance to see these guys play against one another, uh, who are who would just show up and come to the game. But they couldn't do it. Right. And I, I feel, feel bad about that. Nothing we can do about it. Uh, the good news is, I think, with uh, the vaccinations and stuff starting, that the best is still yet to come from Young Jackson Civils. But uh, at least we got uh, kind of a, a taste of what uh, he can do. And uh, I, I've been pretty impressed with him. Got to see his three-point shot. So, uh, and he, he's just one of the many freshmen who have all had their impressive moments for the racers. Yeah. Uh, going back to Transylvania and COVID, 81 years. They had not played in 81 years since they'd played in the Lovett Auditorium. I didn't do any games there just before you make a smart comment. Right, and they'd only played twice in that time. They they were 1-1. It's crazy, Neil, that some of this COVID situation, for better or for worse, it's definitely for worse, but in some unique situations, it's creating these (coughs) matchups. Excuse me, Neil. that That we may not have ever seen. And that's not just here locally. I mean, it's we're certainly you know seeing it. I mean, Kentucky Wesleyan was going to be uh, a first for the back to back games, back to back games for the first time in third time ever in history. Yeah. Uh, but I believe the Racers hadn't played them since the fifties. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate we didn't get to see that, but it's just cool. We're see, we are seeing that positivity from it. It's like, all right, well, who are we going to schedule? We. Can, I don't mean this like this. Beggars couldn't be can't be choosers this year. It's the way it is. You want to play basketball? Like to play a game. You just find some games, and you don't care who it is, and you and can't I, you can't be picky. I haven't. This is a question I'd like to. The next time we get a chance to talk with Kevin Saul, I'd like to know the answer to this. Uh, let's pretend. I I don't know the who we play the last week. Doesn't really matter. But let's pretend both teams uh, that the Racers are supposed to play the final week of the season are COVID casualties, and we're not allowed to play them that week, can the racers find someone else somewhere and play a game or two that week of the non-conference variety just to kind of stay loose? Yeah. Is that a possibility or That's not? good question. And I don't know that. Because at the end of during the season, you want to save up the time to try to get those games rescheduled. But you're not going to reschedule them. The tournament starts the next week. Right. So there is no, well, we'll play them next. No, you won't play them next week because we're playing next week in Evansville. So I'm just kind of curious as to if that is a possibility, should that happen. Your last week of the season, if I'm not mistaken, this year is the Tech JSU swing. I think that's right. Yeah, I believe you're right. So if you get into a situation where Cookville and... And uh, Jacksonville, Alabama are, you know, are Gad- Gadsden, Alabama are issues. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you do. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I know right now they they want to play all the games they're allowed to play, and I get that. I just don't know if that were to happen, if that's a possibility. And hopefully, hopefully it doesn't. That's just a moot point, perhaps. The women. How about that? How about Caitlin Young? Man, how about their win at North Alabama? weeks. How about well, and not only that. How about their win at North Alabama? That was very impressive, uh, and except for getting off to the rough start against Indiana State, this is a team to keep your eye on. They, yep. they have a lot of tools. They now have an inside-outside game. Uh, the years where <laughs> that Rochelle is like, I'd really like to have someone maybe rebound. You know, when shots are missed, maybe they go get them, and we get more than the other team. That's not really a problem anymore. Uh, they had a lot of turnover issues starting off. They've kind of cut back on those. This is a team that's really growing into something that could be something really special. Ed, uh, full 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 disclosure: North Alabama. They went twenty-one and nine last year. They're a really really strong program. Did replace every single one of their starters. And after the Racers dealt them a pretty pretty hefty loss, they moved to zero and six on the season. So they're still in the middle of trying to come through their growing pains and all that sort of stuff. But it's still a big road win. Uh, for a very, you know, what now looks like a really young Murray State women's basketball team. Yeah. I mean, you've got the veteran presence, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, I mean, this is a young team, you know, really. You mm-hmm. know, when you look at who they're relying on, uh, Hannah McKay looks like she's back after a, about a 10-day, um, lack of a better term, just a, a grace period where right. she was away from the team. Not sure if that was COVID-related or not, but it was uh, undisclosed reasons why she was out for 10 days. Put that for where it is. It was related. Um, yeah, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'd say so. And um, and and she she's been a key piece. Uh, Caitlin Young, of course, continues to be a key piece. Uh, Alexis Burpo has really, you know, playing nicely in in this role where she's like passer, rebounder, shooter. Uh, she had 15 points on five of six and a three pointer against North Alabama. So. You know, they had four and double figures against North Alabama, and one of them wasn't Macy Turley. So it's just that's 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 good news in my opinion. Yeah, when Macy doesn't have to score double digits and you can win by double digits, that tells me there's options. That tells me there's help. That tells me that there's depth, uh, and that tells me that they have offense. And I know that offense. We you and I talked so much about it last year. Man, if they if they could squeak out seventy points. Right. They they might win this game. Well, now it's the other way around. Now, now things squeak out eighty points. That's great. That yeah. they're not squeaking out eighty points. They right. can. They think they can get eighty points. Now they got to work on the defensive part of it. And those pieces will, will come. I mean, you when you have a a Caitlin Young learning to defend, and you have Hannah McKay learning to defend, and everyone else learning to defend around them, that's going to take a little bit of time. And Indiana State didn't have Hannah McKay. Uh, the rotation looked a little, you know, a bit strange, and then th- it was such a tough start. They were down what yeah. fourteen yeah. early, yeah, uh, midway through the second quarter until they had to kind of sl- slowly but surely tough, climb. Tough to do that on the road. Oh yeah, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Indiana State was christening a new arena. If I'm not mistaken, a new floor. Okay, um, I could be wrong on that, but I think there was something about that new facility that was kind of new to the program. So mm-hmm. jazzed up. This is an Indiana State team. They only won five games last year, won to win more than five this year. Right. So that's a big win for them. Did you listen to any of the um, game at North Alabama? No, I had the live stats up, and I was actually watching another game. Okay. But I do know – I'd love for you to describe it. Yeah. I do know that Jeremy Rose had to do the Pete Pranica 
and that's the only reference that I have is because I've watched Pete Pranica do it for bubble games with the Memphis Grizzlies as they had to do it baseline from the floor at the FedEx Forum because they couldn't go to Disney. Yeah. What was that like for Jeremy? Uh, I haven't talked to him personally, but it sounded really good. Unless you knew there was a difference, um, you would probably never know. Let me, let me tell people what happened. Uh, the Atlantic Sun does not allow visiting radio for whatever crazy reason. And that may not and that may not change. Since it's really easily to social distance, uh, if you really put your effort into it, I don't understand the issue at all. Uh, because we're usually taking our own vehicle. I can't understand where you're flying NBA teams, MLB teams. You're having to fly uh, have a lot more people that it's very difficult to keep folks away from. Sure. But I don't, don't really understand the reasoning behind that. But anyhow, I'm not in charge of the Atlantic Sun, thankfully for them. So uh, uh, anyhow, he they don't allow visiting radio, so he had to do it off a monitor, and then they piped in some crowd noise. So uh, and he did it at the CFSB Center. So his broadcast originated from the CFSB Center for a road game. They had the monitor. Uh, he, I think he said one time he got blocked where he couldn't really tell the call because of the camera angle. So he, he saw officials called something, but there's a player in front of it. I don't know what happened. Couldn't ask anybody. So he was. Uh, but other than that, he, he, I think he thought he did a good job. The weird part listening, because I knew what to listen for, was somebody's at the free throw line. Generally, it gets quiet. You still had the roar of the crowd at the free throw line like you might have with one second to go. If they hit it, they're going to the NCAA tournament. It's that's kinda, hilarious. So, uh, that's the only thing that sounded weird. You might go, man, they are they really get into it on free throws at that school. I, I didn't really realize it was that big a and, – and I mean it wasn't stadium roar. It was an appropriate crowd noise. But still you could tell they really get into it more than they do anywhere I know of just on common free throws – Midway through the first quarter. That's funny. But it was actually pretty good. I, I uh, thought it. Uh, hopefully that's the only time we have to do that. Uh, I, uh, that's something I hope doesn't come about uh, for anybody else. But uh, he, he got through it, sounded good, and got the broadcast on the air, which, as any broadcaster knows, that's our goal. Get it on the air. Be sure it's accurate. And don't cuss in front of an open mic. Those are the top three things. Could you, and sometimes not in that order, could you imagine you and Kenny having to do that? I, I guess I could imagine. I, I guess I could do it. I mean, I've done play-by-play off screens before because that's how I used to practice years and years ago. Right. You would uh, get rosters downloaded, and you would do play-by-play and turn the volume down. And So, I actually, I've sort of done it. It hasn't gone out over the air, but it's how I used to practice uh, years and years ago. Well, it's how you actually, when you train other people, it's how you tell them to practice. Exactly. That's the way to do it. If you can't go to a game yourself, then... Uh, Try to get a big screen, get the rosters, and do it. Record it. Let somebody hear it. If not me, someone that kind of knows what to listen for. And that's how you correct your mistakes. Uh, this is a good thing you said. This is not good. Uh, uh, you know, let them listen to six minutes. And what would you hear? Did you ever hear the score? No? Yeah, that's a problem. You're on the radio, and they can't look at the score bug or the scoreboard. You have to tell them the score. Yeah, Every, at all times. Especially, if, uh, it's really important in football. And I, I try to... Work it out at certain points. Basketball, there's enough scoring. You're usually going to get that. But football, you may go 10 or 15 minutes or longer without a score, so you have to be sure and work it in. So that's one of the things you have to do. Side note, speaking of that, I never cough into a mic. I've got a little bit of a cold, so battling that. Don't ever want to do that. There's my little live bit for uh, for those listening at home. Uh it's a, it's a really interesting turnaround for both Murray State men's basketball and Murray State women's basketball because they both have Austin P next. Yeah. 
but not at the same time. You've got the yeah. men playing on Monday, uh, and I know why. It's because of the flex scheduling right. that Murray State men's basketball decided to go ahead and handle its Austin P matchups yeah. right away. Whereas the women play the women play Austin P Saturday night. Afternoon, so, actually. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It is. It's like at five o'clock, isn't it? It's well. It's at two two o'clock. Two. That's even better. Yeah. I, you're 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 informing me. Two I thought o'clock. it was later than that. Nope. A two o'clock game on a Saturday. That's right. That's delicious. Yeah. So they play it too. From what I understand, I think because it's an ESPNU game, they kind of knew they wanted it to be. They kind of stuck that on a Monday night, thinking that's probably what was going to happen with that. That's still so going to be at 8 o'clock, right? It is an 8 o'clock because of that. Super. We, and we all love – there's nothing you like better, at least me, is to do an 8 o'clock game, come in after the 8 o'clock game, because we're there for about two and a half hours. Uh, then we're riding with Dave Winder, so he's there about an hour loading some stuff in. So we'll be home by about midnight and then have to stay up a couple of hours and get stuff done and then be back in here at 6 Man, that's one of my favorite things to do, so I can't wait to do that. Thanks, ESPN. And then for you, that means in terms of getting an actual hard newspaper in somebody's hands with it in it, you can't do it, right? Or can you? Is that is that cutting it close? It's cutting it extremely close. Here's how it'll work for me. I'll go to Clarksville, uh, hopefully, and uh, then I will uh, – and. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting because an 8 o'clock tip-off typically means that I'm either writing on deadline, which is fine. I'm used to that. But that's two and a half hours. That gives little wiggle room for any sort of overtime ex- situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also gives very little wiggle, wiggle room for post-game comments. Right. So we'll see. It'll get it'll be interesting. It may be one of those situations where I get one or two post game comments and say thanks for playing and I'm out of there. Right. Uh, or maybe one of those situations where I've got a box score and a really nice lengthy descriptive play by play. I don't know. It'll be. I've had both situations arise because basketball is typically well timed, but some games are slower than others. If you get to the free throw line a lot or something like that, the clock's constantly stopped. Then yeah, you're 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 going to have a longer game, but. Um, and I know as a that's, writer, that's 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 up on the game on the game deadline for sure for me. You're hoping for a non-complicated storyline, which means Team A rolls out to a big lead, is never headed, and wins. Instead of Team A rolls out to a big lead, blows the lead, Team B comes back and has a big lead. Team A comes back, it goes to overtime, and you, you don't want any of that. No, so it's a nice, nice, neat little game. Yeah, you want a nice, just get the job done, do the job. You know? Someone one one way or the other. That's right. Yeah. For, for the, I mean, for the writer, that you want that. It makes it easy to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if a writer, if I go in and the racers lose by thirty, well, then I've got my story right away. It's pretty easy to write. Pretty, that. pretty, pretty quick to like get the that other, one. Yeah, the other night was easy to write. Yeah. The racers jumped on them. They never came back. They this person scored the most points. This person had the second. Yeah. Here's who they play next. Yeah. Here's a quote or two. Yeah, and and like I said, even the reverse. If, if you get blown out. A chimp could write that story. Yeah. Pretty much. And that's why a lot of times when... Nothing the, personal. When the, no, that's fine. I, I completely agree with you, especially when you're on deadline. Uh, that's a situation that comes up more often than not, and you want to look beyond a box score. You always want to look beyond sure. a box score. But sometimes the box score just tells it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes you just look at it and be like, this is... this is I'm, do- I'm done. We, Zip it. we hammered or Zip we it. got hammered. Yeah. And here's why... And that's there's no need really discussing it too yeah, much. There's there's not so many I love the athletic and I know we're dovetailing a little bit here, but it's worth talking about. I love the athletic, but sometimes the athletic doesn't do a ton of actual game coverage. They do. 
now that they've got beat reporters for a lot of teams, but they do what I would consider to be beyond the box score. And nine times out of ten, when I try to write at least, I try to write beyond the box score. But not every time does a basketball team win by 30 points. Does it mean that, you know, they were inspired by their dog that was back home that, you know, or, or maybe their grandmother was in the stands. Like there's just not always a feature. A lot of times there is, but not always. Like sometimes it's just a 30 point beat down and it was a good basketball game by one team and not by the other. And sometimes you just roll with that. As a writer, you do seek cool stories. You should at least seek cool stories and want to tell beyond the veil, so to speak, just to get all mystical about it. But sometimes there's just no veil. I mean, the other night is the best, one of the better examples. The racers rolled out to a 41-18 halftime lead, and you run with that. Yeah. And as a writer, you just call it as it is. Yeah. Sometimes a spade's a spade. Yeah. That's just is. how it is. Yeah. Shifting to a little bit different Murray State uh, athletics here, uh, signing day for football. Before we get to that, I want to congratulate uh, Dean Hood undefeated in yeah. his first year at Murray State. Uh, I don't know when the last time that has happened, but that's amazing. Of course, it was not for the reasons we wanted it to no. be. But poor, poor Dean, he comes here. I can't wait. I love, I love everything uh, about Dean. The kind of football he plays. Can't wait to see him. And he still hasn't got to coach one game here. Not yet. a down. Nothing. Not a thing. But he's recruited two recruiting classes, and this one looks pretty good. But come on, man. I, I, I have to be really honest. All these, you know, we get tons of guys for football. I, I don't know if they're good till I see him play. Uh, and I have to see him play in a game. We don't have a clue. Because in spring ball, they might look good against one another. i got to see him play in a game. So I couldn't tell you what we're going to see when we come out and watch next spring. But I do know that they did get one kid from Murray High, an offensive lineman. And, and how about the Tigers? What a season they had. I know it ended a, a week earlier than they wanted it to, and they kind of got off to a rough start. But a uh, tremendous season for Murray High. Congratulations to them on getting to the state semifinals, but I uh, didn't get to play for the championship game. But one of their kids signed and will be playing at Murray State. Yeah, Gage Jacobs was part of a, a 17-man recruiting class. They'll announce more, I'm sure, in February before the season kicks off. But as you know, Neil, this is the third recruiting class now, the last one under Mitch Stewart and now two under Dean Hood, that have come with the new early signing period. Mm-hmm. Um, which is going to become, as many coaches have told us, including Mitch and Dean, the new signing period. Yeah. This is when you get the bulk of your meat, um, and then your you, you get your gravy and your extra sides in February now. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to call them table scraps because it's definitely not that, but it's late signees, anybody that makes a decision late, uh, JUCO transfers. Someone right? leaves your team. Because I'm not playing here anymore. I'm going to do this. Right. It's an opening you hadn't anticipated, so you have an opening. Yeah, absolutely. So now, all of a sudden, with the early signing period, you can get the bulk of your class. And I actually, I've got a few details here, courtesy of one Parker Griffith at uh, Murray State University. Yeah, 17 student athletes. You've got four offensive linemen, three wide receivers, three defensive linemen, two defensive backs. Two versatile athletes that can probably move around in different key positions. One running back who is actually local. It's uh, Qdarius Jennings from um, from uh, Ohio County. Uh, believe that it's was a great school. Yeah, I, be- they I believe they have turned out some of the most impressive academic people I've ever known in my life. It's your wife, right? My wife is. It, 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 it turns out that she is a graduate from there. 
See, I, I, I knew. Yeah, I knew that. I knew how to play. They that did a good job. She didn't have to go to another school. They, she then went to Western, and she eventually had to go to other schools to get degrees. You know, because uh, she went to Murray State to get better degrees. Well, and smart enough to marry you, right? Of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know where this is going, Neil. Yeah. Uh, just. I, I'm sorry about that. Oh That's no, you're. Track. Oh no, you're good. And then, uh, and then, you know, one wide receiver, uh, or no, excuse me, three wide receivers, one linebacker, and one quarterback. And um, going to going back to Qdarius Jennings really quick. He's five eleven, two hundred. Uh, out of Ohio County, just a little note on him. Jennings actually was pretty electric in Class Five A. He's rushed for more than 2,000 yards over the last two seasons combined. Okay. Uh, and this year in the shortened season, he averaged 121 rushing yards per game and added eight touchdowns. Just ask Graves County about him. They had to deal with him a couple of times, and they handled Ohio County pretty well. Uh, but, I mean, he's still a, a world-class running back. You know, we'll see where that shakes out. The two names that really caught my attention, and, and there's a lot of youth here, obviously. A lot of this is a freshman class, but there's a – there are two graduate transfers in this class that really kind of interest me. One of them is Tariq Bitson, wide receiver. He is 6'2 and 200 from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He actually played at Adams State, and in 2019, he led Division II in receiving. Whoa. Led the nation. He was the RMAC, their division's player of the year. He caught 63 passes for 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. Wow. So he knows where to go once he catches it. He's, he's got a lot of speed. He yeah. averaged 144 receiving yards a game. Now, again, I know that's Division two. I know it's, it's a, this is going to be a step up for him. Uh, but it, it that's interesting to see. Here's a one-year guy mm-hmm. with a lot to prove. What can he come in and do? Um, I'm going to be interested to see just kind of where that goes. A one-year guy, that can be a hit or miss. You either come in, buy the system, get with it, get going, uh, or you come in and you have 10 catches for 100 yards in two games and yeah. nothing happens. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes from an offensive standpoint. We know that even though you know you look at these recruiting classes, this is going to be a downhill team. We keep hearing the downhill mention of 11 personnel, 12 personnel, we're going to get in, run, 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 run. Still got to be able to throw the ball. You know, so a guy like that, you know, maybe play action, where does that where does that help? Well, what I, does he play this spring? Or will he not be eligible until fall? Uh, that's a good question. I think he's eligible now. Mm-hmm. I would have to think signing now he would be. I don't know. Those are questions that we'll, we will need to get answered. Uh, probably like in, at a press conference. Yeah, probably in January. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, but even if he's, let's say he's eligible in the fall, that still tells still me. Good, yeah. That still tells me play action is going to be a big part right. of this offense, for now, sure. Being a Juco, now the high school kids, obviously they're not going to play in the spring. Yeah. They're still doing going to high school. Unless they come in and sign early. They could. So I mean, And that's the thing, too. That's the interesting part about what's happening mm-hmm. across the country is you do have high school pl- players that are graduating early and joining their clubs in January. Right. Yeah. Does that mean you can play in February and March? I think I read somewhere where that is not allowed. I don't think they're going to be eligible. Yeah, I mean, but I can't. It's been so many months since I read that. And I hate to swear to it. Another, <coughs> excuse me. Another one of the offensive linemen that's uh, local uh, is Darian Weedman. He's a six-five, two hundred ninety-pound uh, offensive lineman from Fairdale. Plays in Louisville. Yeah. Uh, they were undefeated and were rushing for two hundred twenty-three yards a game. Uh, and again, he's six-five, two ninety. Wow. As a as a freshman, okay. offensive lineman. Uh, Fairdale was actually originally supposed to play Owensboro in the Class 5A playoffs before they had to pull out for COVID. Wow. They had a they had a kid. I don't know if they had a kid test positive, but they had a 
they had a COVID cancellation and they had to forfeit the rest. I say forfeit the rest of their season, but I mean, they had anticipations of beating Owensboro and then mm-hmm. didn't get to play the game. Right. So they finished their season undefeated. The uh, other transfer, the the other graduate transfer I was mentioning, um, oh my my phone here just yeah there it is is uh is Brandon Burton. He's a two hundred pound six one safety from Los Angeles. He's an FBS transfer grad transfer from New Mexico. He only finished with twenty two tackles, but prior to New Mexico, he played at UCLA. And when he when he left high school in 2017-2018, he was considered the number 13 safety in the country. Former four-star wow. uh, recruit. So quite, quite not, a a, not a ton of stats there, so bounced around a little bit. Going to be interested to see what he brings. As a, and, and again, graduate transfers are always interesting to me. They either come in, I, I feel like it's hard for that to be a middle ground. They either come in and they're electric, they do everything they're supposed to, and they're rejuvenated, and that's what they. this is what they can do. Or they come in and there's a reason why they're a graduate transfer. Yeah, I think a lot of that, though, the expectations are really high on a graduate sure. transfer. When you're bringing someone in, you expect immediate, huge dividends, and anything short of that is disappointing. Yeah, and and sometimes that's unfortunate because you expect with that much uh, experience, well, you're just going to come in and just plug things up right away yeah. and be yeah. successful and never make a mistake. And, you know, sometimes sometimes graduate transfers don't come with as much opportunity. Um but it's cool that they've landed here, and they do get a fresh start. Whether it was good or bad previous to where they were, you know, they they, they can come in, you know, with that fresh start. So, I it, it's it's interesting. It's cool to talk about these two. This is the second recruiting class you and I have gotten to talk about. Mm-hmm. We'll learn more about it as we get closer and closer to the new year. I think at some point we'll have a press conference with. Uh, uh, Coach Dean Hood and, and some of his staff, but until that happens, it's tough because we only saw a little bit of spring ball, if any. Uh, then we saw no summer, and then you and I saw a couple of practices in the fall before they were just like, "Well, boys, we gotta we gotta pack this camp up." I didn't and see any. You you were there. I didn't get to go. Down. I saw a couple of practices, and then it, the, we got the same message as everybody else did. Everybody was kind of collectively holding their breath, and then when the announcement came that FCS was going to play in the spring, it was just like, well, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see you next year. So it's just it's another one of those things where it's been a year, and we just haven't seen a really emphatic focus on racer football. Right. It's not racer football's fault. It's just yeah. this is what the FCS is right now. Yeah, and the weird part is, is that next year, by the year I mean twenty twenty one, yeah, they will play. I haven't, I haven't seen the. Uh, they'll play nineteen games. Yeah, a twelve game, twenty twenty one schedule in the fall, and then the seven games that have rolled over, and that's without any sort of playoffs. That's a lot of games. Oh yeah, we're gonna go from we're gonna go from no racer games for a year to a very very shortened spring that is conference related. And then what What likely will be a quick off-season in the summer yeah. before we go back into August ball and September kickoff again, Now, if everything holds. I know. And I'm, I know uh, there are concerns, because I have read a couple of articles about teams doing this, and that is about the wear and tear on a body for football. I mm-hmm. mean, this, this isn't organized ping pong. This is a game that's really tough on you. So uh, we'll, we'll see how if that has any impact. Hopefully everything will come out okay on that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm. I've thought a lot about it, and here's the other thing that's really, really tough. You got to cross your fingers, and I mean, 
hypothetically, you hope it doesn't happen, but I mean, the chances are almost too great, but you hope somebody doesn't get injured seriously toward the end of the spring season so they can open up fall. Yeah. You, there are specific injuries. If you experience them in game six or game seven during the spring, certain ACL, MCL, that's right. Other types of injuries like that. That's a six to eight month rehabilitation period, which kills your fall. And normally in a season, it doesn't. You'd be healed up and ready to go by the next season. That would not be the case, this this uh, kind of scenario. And it makes, me with one, it makes me wonder just how much further they'll test their depth. Yeah. You know, if I'm a coach, I might be looking at a round-robin of guys. You yeah. know, and, like, you know, let's let's see, oh, hey, you're not redshirting this year. We're playing you. Yeah. You know, just to make sure that everybody gets a few reps and everybody stays as healthy as yeah. possible. So I know. I know mathematically that might happen, and I think it's possible that we'll see a story or two of, oh, this kid got injured, he's not going to play in the fall, and if that's the case, that's going to be really unfortunate. Before we close up the show, uh, how about Murray State men's basketball being representative in the NBA uh, on Thursday night? Yeah. That was fun. John Morant, so. Yeah, and then... Then this guy named Shaq Buchanan. Oh, wow. So earlier this week, Shaq... That was neat. Yeah, it was neat. So earlier this week, Shaq actually re-signed with the Memphis Grizzlies. And I, I personally think it'll probably be a lot like what happened last year. Signed with the Memphis Grizzlies during the summer. Played for their Summer League Championship. Uh, he and Brandon Clark were pretty, pretty good. Brandon Clark, a little better as the Summer League MVP. Shaq then gets reassigned to play for the Memphis Hustle, their G League affiliate. I wonder if this is what that's going to lead to. He played really well for their G League affiliate last year, started a few games there toward the end of the season, averaged a little more than 13 points, shot you know about 35 36% from three, starting to really showcase that three-point right. uh, game that he's been working on. Um, and also just an elite rebounder for his position. And, uh, yeah, jaw to Shaq, two assists in the oh, fourth man. quarter against the Atlanta Hawks, including the classic... All right, we've seen that play fifty times. Yeah, the oop where the the guy doesn't pick up Shaq, and I was thinking about this as yeah. I was watching it. For whatever reason, defenses just don't pick up Shaq. Right, he's just like whatever. I'm just going to keep running to the goal. Yeah, and then Ja was right there in midcourt for the oop to him. To make it fair to Ja, do it with his eyes closed because that's not fair with his eyes open. It's just he has to close him. It's, at a, least touch, to make it's it, a touchdown every time. Make it a little bit of a challenge. I wonder. Do you think McMahon calls that play touchdown? I don't know what he calls it. It's a touchdown every time. I, 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 I would love to go back and see the number of times that they actually failed to connect on that pass yeah. because I don't think it was many. There weren't many times that Ja missed that lob. Mm-hmm. Like They hit that lob twice in the championship game when Ja was a freshman against Belmont. Mm-hmm. Then they hit it, I don't know how many times, they hit it against Auburn twice. Yeah. Like it's a, it's it it looks like a hail mary. It's not. It's a designed play. It is a four dimensional basketball play. It's pretty cool. Because everybody seems to think that you can play just well. We're just going to play you know laterally between the passing lanes. No, there's a vertical capability, and I call it four dimensions because while I know that we are living a three dimensional space, using the airtime above you, I feel like is a fourth dimension in basketball. Yeah. And, th- th- I mean, it's not street ball. 
Mm-hmm. Shaq is open when he cuts baseline and jumps that high. So it was great to see that play. Few numbers. Ja actually had 18 points, 13 assists, and four rebounds. But he played uh, barely over half the Atlanta. game. 26 minutes. Yeah. He has a 31 to four assist to turnover ratio in three preseason games. And granted, that's two against Minnesota right. and one against Atlanta. He will play much tougher competition starting next week against San Antonio as the season opens. He's shooting 61 percent in his first three preseason games. The Grizzlies are three and zero. Uh, also, his body, it's a different hairdo, but his body looks different. You can tell he's added muscle. About five more, five muscle, more, five more pounds. Which, uh, you know, on me, that's I'm going to do that next week with uh, cheesecake and sausage balls. Yeah, but uh, for him, he added it, it the right way with muscle and strength training. And yeah, stuff like that. So, so that's good. Uh, but I just didn't want you to be cheesecake and sausage he, balls is a fine choice because he gained five pounds. Is like you know, come on. If, if that's all it took to be in the NBA, then I would be in the NBA. I mean, uh, you, you are in the NBA. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I would be if that was the criteria, though. Well, it's the nobody, be, it's the nobody but assholes. Is that, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> uh, I, I finally got your, you. Your Christmas present just went down the tubes, I'll tell you that. Well, let's uh, let's let's end with that. I, I'm, look, I'm really excited uh, next week. It does look like you and I are going to be able to record before Christmas. What are your Christmas plans, though? Um, different this year. We're actually doing Christmas Day in Ohio County, kind of a small gathering there. And then um, the day after with my son, Christmas Eve, it's just the wife and I for the first time ever. We've never just been her and I. I think we'll go out and have lunch. She's making something for supper that night, and then we're going to watch our usual Christmas movies. The one Christmas movie, of course, is Christmas Vacation. And the other Christmas movie, and don't make me slap you if you come at me on this, is Die Hard. It is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Okay, all right. I was looking for my knife. I've already seen Christmas Vacation. Okay. Just guess how many times I've seen it this year. Four. Six. Six? Oh, my God. But that's because it's looping on that's television. Oh, okay. It's looping, and we, we have it on. Yeah. And but But my problem is that I'll watch it every time. Yeah. I know how it ends. I like it. I can quote it, but it is <laughs> shitter's full, but it's like... But it makes you feel good. It's terrific. That's why. You feel good when you're watching it. Oh, I love it. You feel good after you watch it. Yeah. And at this time of year, especially this time of this year, yeah. we need all the feel good we can get. And if watching some stupid movie for an hour and a half makes it happen, then watch the stupid movie. That's what I do. It's a one-year subscription to the Chili of the Month Club. It is. Ah, Clark, that's a gift that keeps on giving. That it is, Edward. <laughs> oh, what are you bringing out here? Oh, your uh, your hat. Griswold toboggan. Oh, your Griswold toboggan with the, with the car here. and the Christmas tree. That's right. I've never seen that. There you go. It's a really warm one, too. That's a nice toboggan. I like it. Neil, it's been real. It's been fun. And it's been real fun. Yeah. Uh, could I take you out and uh, drop you in the desert and leave you for dead? Oh, and anyhow, yeah, what... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, let's see. I need to hit this button, Ed, and then uh, we'll see you next week. All right. All right. Thanks, Neil.